and welcome to Ed Talk. My name is Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC and your host. Today we're speaking with Wes Sills, a Republican candidate for State Superintendent of Public Instruction. Since 2012, Wes has been a social studies teacher at his old high school in Harnett County, Triton High School. Wes, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's kind of a funny question considering you're a high school teacher, but when was the last time you were in a public school? <laughs> well, Alex, uh, I was, uh, I don't know, I clocked out about 3 o'clock. I got my, my time in, and uh, 3 o'clock today was the last time I was in a public, uh, public school. Perfect. I will, I will clock back in uh, at 7.20 tomorrow morning, and... Uh, Tomorrow, I've actually got to stay later, and uh, some kids are going to be doing some makeup grades and stuff since I was out with the birth of my newborn uh, girl. So. And so, with that daily firsthand experience in schools, how does that shape the way you're thinking about being state superintendent? Well, you know, as I say on the, on the stump, um, you know, every day I unlock a door to a classroom, and I've got uh, firsthand uh, experience uh, to policies and procedures that work, some of them, and I see, sadly, what does not work every day. Uh, how, for years, we've had social promotion, we've just let kids uh, move along, how our, our students with, with low socioeconomic status, uh, how they are, there's a disadvantage there, how we don't tailor our class instruction to meet their needs, we just, uh, we just have a one-size-fits-all approach to public education. And sadly, that is hurting our students, and that's going to hurt our economy. And, um, and, and ultimately, I feel hurt our democracy when we have students that no longer understand the meanings of the words in the Declaration and the Constitution. So you know, every day I see some good stuff, some magic going on, uh, and then I also have to deal with the, bureauc- uh, the bureaucracy and the politics of, of education. And um, it's frustrating. So that's uh, that's one reason uh, why, I, why I got into the race. And so you teach at public school. Did you attend public school? Yes. Uh, my whole life has been in public education. Uh, my uh, In Harnett County in Dunn, where I grew up, um, public uh, elementary, middle, high school. In fact, I teach at the same high school I graduated from. And uh, uh, my mother was a public school kindergarten teacher in Cumberland County for 31 uh, years, then she tutored. Uh, my All my aunts uh, on my mom's side were in public education. Some of them made it for 30 years. Some of them were able to, to retire early. And, uh, um, you know, so my dad, while he was not a school teacher, he was uh, a ball coach for, for me and my friends and my sister, um, my scoutmaster. So, you know, we've We've got a family that's always been involved in, in, in youth and uh, trying to make a difference. So 6.2% of North Carolina students are educated in home schools, 5.6% are in private schools, and about 3.7% are in charter schools. That leaves 84.4% of uh, North Carolina students in traditional public schools. What do you think about this distribution of the students, and how do you see this market share changing during your time in office if you're elected? Well, you know, people, uh, concerned parents and, and citizens have asked, you know, how, do I want to do more regulation for charter school? Do I want to um, regulate homeschooling? Do I want to do stuff like that? And the answer is no. I mean, I, uh, if you're homeschooling your child for whatever reason, that's between you and, and your child. And, and hopefully you're doing 
what's best by your child. Um, charter schools, uh, well, we'll come back to charter schools uh, in a second. The, the private schools, obviously uh, a lot of them are religious. Uh, you know, that's fine. That's great. Um, I have no problem with that. Again, I just hope that the, the metrics they're using to judge student performance is good and the students are meeting that performance. Um, so my position really would not have uh, much authority over those two entities other than I would like to see that if a student withdraws from a, from a public school, goes to a home school situation, and then comes back to a public school situation, there's a little bit of interesting ways they can do their transcript. Their, um, it's, uh, you know, they can take classes that aren't offered. Like in my high school, we don't have trigonometry. So if, uh, if a homeschool kid goes home for whatever reason, takes trigonometry at home, comes back, we have to give him credit for it. And that would be an honors weight. So he's, there's a possibility that student could get a leg up GPA-wise of his classmates because he took trig, which we don't offer. Also, when students withdraw to go to homeschool, uh, our school is not deemed on our school report card. But if a student uh, withdraws and goes to, say, the community college to finish up their diploma, we are deemed as a dropout. So I would like to see some clarification on that uh, just to, for our guidance counselors have asked me to, to talk about that and try to get some clarity on it. Um, but again, you know, overall, uh, homeschooling and, and private schooling, that's between you and your student and your family. And, and uh, you know, there's some, some fairly neat uh, public, uh, I'm sorry, there's some fairly neat uh, private schools. I've got some neat uh, science equipment and facilities and, and stuff. I saw that when I was at UNCW. Uh, Cape Fear Academy, I think is the name of it, nice facilities. You know, so th I've got no problem with that, um, but my focus and my campaign has been more to uh, fix what's, n what's broken in our public school system, which is, which is a lot. So charter schools are public schools. Uh, I'm not going to relitigate that. Uh, I would like to see uh, some more accountability for charter schools as far as, like, where's the money go? Um, you know, charter schools shutting down with $3 in their account or shutting down with, with over $100,000 of money missing. Uh, you know, that's our tax money. So where's it go? What are, what are they doing? Are they getting the same results they're promising? And uh, I read a good article recently about how charter, uh, there's one economist that feels charter schools are the next bubble. Um, so, you know, that's, that's some, there's some public, public policy discussions there that definitely need to be had about charter schools and their place. Um, and, uh, you know, but I understand why charter schools came about, how, you know, the history of them, how they came, they were a school in a school, uh, I think in Minnesota or Wisconsin is where they started. And then uh, over the years, you know, were, were a way to, to do what's best for students, which was smaller class sizes, more unique instruction. Um, you know, so that's that's all well and fine, but why can't we do that in the public school system? You know, why can't we have a authority? Uh, why can't the state board, the, the the state superintendent, you know, give that freedom and flexibility to public schools to uh, to do stuff like that? So, you know, as Republicans and conservatives, you know, we we don't want a lot of government bureaucracy. 
and with charter schools, we have created just one more level of bureaucracy uh, with that. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to end them. I don't, I'm not at war with them or anything like that. You know, I think it's great some of the stuff they're doing, the the the, the freedom like uh, for music and art and how they can tailor their instruction to meet student needs. That's what I try to do in my classroom. Uh, I think that's what most good public school teachers want to do in the traditional public school setting. So what my campaign is about is putting forth uh, policies, um, public policies, and, 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 and a platform that is uh, pro-teacher, pro-student, uh, and also in, in pro-results where we meet students where they are and help them be more successful. And, uh, and I think that is, that is the appeal of charter schools. That's the, the, why they're starting to become more prevalent. Um, but, you know, as your statistics just said, most North Carolina students are educated in traditional public schools. I was educated in traditional public schools. My family taught in traditional public schools. So that's where my focus is, is to do what's best uh, for those students in that school setting. And, um, and, and we'll see what happens. I think, uh, I think my plans are common sense solutions, not common core problems that we can do to, uh, to do what's best for those that 86% that you just said uh, in the traditional public school setting. That segues nicely into my next question, which is with almost 85% of our students educated in traditional public schools, what ideas do you have for making sure all of our students have access to a high quality education? Well, we, you know, we, we need to start early with literacy. Um, my website, jwesleyseals.org, I've got some, some fairly concrete uh, platform positions about how I support uh, rigor higher order thinking skills, literacy, um, and how we can uh, save money and save class time by not uh, testing our students as much as we do. So, um, so let's look at literacy skills. You know, in the high school level, I've got students that are, uh, I've had, and my, my fellow teachers have students that are on middle school or less reading levels uh, based on uh, uh, you know, different tests that we, uh, we assess to, to see what they're, what they're reading at. Uh, Gates-McGinney is one of those tests. Um, you know, and, and it's sad that they've been promoted all the way up to high school and they're, they're barely on a sixth grade reading level. You know, so if you, if you don't learn how to read, you can't read how to learn. And that is something that we have sadly failed our students on is literacy. Uh, we, we don't value an imagination anymore, you know, so if our students could, could, could read, they might have an imagination, maybe they could find a cure for cancer or, uh, you know, figure out nanotechnology or uh, 3D printing or, you know, all the other neat things that are coming about in the 21st century. But, but it starts with having a creative mind, and that starts ultimately with being able to read. So literacy improvement, I've, uh, I support higher, uh, having our uh, – Elementary uh, assistant teachers take classes to be more of a reading coach. Um, that way they're not useless as typewriters, as some politicians like to say, sadly, in my own party that have said that. So, um, you know, having those assistant teachers in the elementary levels be more reading coaches, I think, will improve literacy. Uh, in middle school, we need to uh, go back to teaching study skills, note-taking uh, con using context clues, diagramming sentences. We don't diagram sentences anymore. Or if we do, it's just because the teacher knows how to do it and wants to do it. I don't think there's any national policy or statewide policy anymore about diagramming sentences in English class. 
So, um, you know, some of the books that, that our kids read are, are not appropriate developmentally. Um, you know, we need to pick up the Lexile score of some of the stuff we're reading. Um, I know in my class in high school, we read uh, two books outside of the classroom uh, that I asked them to read, um, you know, to, to give them a little more subject knowledge on, on the situation. Uh, Bill O'Reilly's Killing Kennedy. And uh, in my history class, Bill O'Reilly's uh, Killing Lincoln. Uh, now, the Kennedy book's a little more controversial because Kennedy was controversial. But, you know, I, I augment that with showing the, the opposite side of the Warren re report. And I let my students decide, was it, in a, was it a lone gunman or was there a guy on the grassy knoll? I mean, clearly the Zapruder film shows there was somebody on the grassy knoll. I mean, I've shot enough guns to know what happens when a bullet hits something, you know, the direction of the head. But going back to, to, to my platform, you know, so in middle school, we, again, continue our, our literacy uh, push. We uh, go back to old school methods of diagramming sentences. Um, we go back to teaching how to take notes. Uh, you know, outlining chapters and textbooks, you know, those were uh, using vocabulary, you know, those were all ways that I was taught. And I'm sure you were taught that way too. And, you know, we, we turned out pretty good. Um, you know, and I, I might misspell a word or, or use the wrong subject verb agreement. I, I think I've, there was a lady at, uh, at the News and Observer that called me out for having a spiritist campaign, which uh, alcohol based, and, and I meant to say spirited, but you know, uh, again, um, you know, I think she would have made a great English teacher, you know, instead of, uh, chastising me on a little, on a little mistake like that, she didn't say anything about my, my policy positions. So, you know, but that is what it is, you know, so, and when we get, when the kids get to high school, we need to put them, we need to see what their interests are and meet them where their interests are. There is no reason for kids who are not college bound to take an hour and a half class you know, they don't care about the material, or they, can, they don't understand the material. You know, they need to know certain things to be just good, well-rounded citizens. So, I, you know, a 45, 50-minute version of my class would suffice for that. They can spend the rest of the time doing some vocational work, uh, training, vocational training, uh, agro-science, um, 3D printing, uh, uh, electrical trades, building trades, uh, just, you know, neat. There's some really neat stuff that they could be doing uh, work study programs. You know, our kids, like in my high school, they have flex, which means they get to go home fourth block. They, they just go home fourth block. You know, they don't go to a job. They don't, they just go home, I don't know whether tweet or text each other or something. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like it'd be unproductive, but we don't have enough teachers to, for me to teach. I would love to teach like a Cold War class or, uh, or maybe a, a leadership class or something like that. Um, but, but we don't have enough teachers to teach all the other sections that we're required to have. So these kids, they, they just take online classes, um, you know, or they just go home. And, uh, and that's not learning. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things we could do better, um, you know, that, that we just don't do. And, and I think it's just because we just don't have any leadership for it. I think there's enough political capital to rework our curriculum to make it more 21st century relevant. And to, and to cut these hour and a half classes down to 50, 45 minutes and then spend that time doing more vocational. And, and then, you know, again, tracking these kids into those programs. And if a kid really enjoys civics or they really like me as a teacher, then, hey, take my hour and a half class. You know, but if you have, if you have no desire to sit around the, the kitchen table at night and talk about social contract theory and John Locke and 
and uh, Montesquieu and uh, you know Cato's letters, then don't worry about it. You know what? We'll be fine. But hey, if you know how to swing a hammer, you know my roof's probably gonna need some repair during hurricane season. You know, so let's let's meet these kids where they are, and let's not force them to do all this cookie cutter stuff that is a waste of money, a waste of their time, and then it just makes our school report card look bad. So that's uh that's my that's a kind of a broad view of my my education platform that you can see on my website. So the Academic Standards Review Commission has been looking at the Common Core State Standards. And uh, as the State Board of Education takes up their recommendations, how do you plan to lead the conversation about the standards, um, the conversation about the need for academic rigor and testing, which you touched upon a little bit? Well, yeah, like I said, my website, the first, my first policy position is to increase the rigor of our students, uh, the rigor of what they're learning at all levels, not just high school. Um, and, and that is, you know, for example, when people are like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, for example, instead of giving out 50 homework problems, and, and just say that's hard, you know, 50, 50 questions, that's like take an hour to do. I'd rather give you 10 and have those 10 be more higher order thinking that require you some, to, to actually think about your answer, you know. So that is, that's the difference between just making things hard and having increased rigor. So the, the Standards Review Commission has, has put forth uh, over 150 pages. Um, a lot of their recommendations were good. Um, uh, I like the fact that they are going to more, the common core standards, some of them, some of them, uh, listeners, some of the common core standards are good, but most of the common core standards are vague, very subjective and open to interpretation. The standards review commission, you know, those recommendations, they're going to, you know, fill, uh, the gaps in what was not working for common core, especially, you know, and for Common Core, we only have that for, for English language arts and uh, mathematics. We don't have Common Core standards for science or social studies or art or foreign language or, or anything else. Now, what I do in my social studies classes is I incorporate some of that English language arts as far as uh, reading, writing, um, and then in math, uh, you know, try to do math as much as I mean, there's math all over the Constitution. There's math and economics. There's math and personal finance, which is part of the civics and economics class. Um, so I try to do math as much as possible, especially in current events. Anytime we can do percents, you know, but these kids don't know how to move a decimal, you know. So it's frustrating that they're high school kids and they can't tell me what 20% would be of of a $40,000 income. And and then you know after my after my hand leaves my face, um, you know, to hide the frustration, I say, all right, pull your calculator out, and they still can't do it because they don't know what keys to press. You know, so what, what math are we teaching them when something as simple as what's 20% of, of a $40,000 salary, you know, for if we're calculating, uh, you know, net income? And, uh, you know, so the, the Academic Standards Review Commission has, has got some good, I think, some, some good standards that they want to see replaced from Common Core uh, and, and put more specific uh, standards in. And, and some of those standards come from Texas. Some of those come from Massachusetts. Um, you know, when those states uh, or Massachusetts, the pre-Common Core Massachusetts state standards, they were very specific, especially in English. Like, um, you know, you will, the student will know this at the end of, of, of the unit, whatever, uh, how to diagram a sentence or how to, what does the author's uh, interpretation of this passage or 
or what have you. And, and you know, and being specific, I think, is good for, for the teacher uh, as well as um, the student uh, because, you know, it, it, it keeps us going in the same direction, which is hopefully forward. So, and, and it also, again, if you, when, when teachers formulate their lessons, they begin with the end in mind. So if they know what the end should be, then they can easily formulate their lesson. Now, again, not all of Common Core was, was terrible and horrible, you know, so, um, but there was a lot of it that, that, that is and, and is frustrating to parents, teachers, and especially the students because it was like a light switch. You go home in, in, uh, in, in May, come back in August, and you're on a whole new system. You know, and, and the professional development the teachers had over the summer, which was, uh, I think one legislative aide told me it was a billion dollars worth of professional development. Um, you know, we've spent that money, uh, so we need to stop wasting it, wasting taxpayer money by going to a new system that hasn't been properly vetted. You know, Common Core was not properly vetted because the U.S. Department of Education was giving out race to the top funds, but you had to take Common Core to get the money. So the General Assembly, which was then Democratic controlled, uh, kind of just uh, said, all right, let's do it because we got some hard choices to make with our state budget. And hey, if we can get some federal funds, then that's just less of a hard choice to make. You know, so. Uh, and if you look at the history of Common Core, how it was developed by business entities, uh, CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, who were concerned that the product public schools were producing was not employable, you know, there's a, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, you know, the good intentions behind Common Core, I think, we can still keep, and still keep our rigor up, and still keep kids prepared for the 21st century. Uh, and, and I think those, those standards from the Academic Standards Review Commission uh, will do that. So I support uh, their implementation, um, and especially in the math, uh, because some of this math that these kids are having to do is just ridiculous. And uh, you know, my, my CPA and, and her husband, they're both my good, my good friends. They're getting first grade homework wrong. And I joke with my CPA, I'm like, is that why my tax return is so small? And, uh, you know, when a CPA and a pharmacist are getting first grade homework wrong, there is clearly a problem. So, um, you know, we need, to, we need to look at these math standards especially. And, and I think the, this commission does that and has some, some good solid steps to, to repair, uh, to fix and replace those standards to make them just, just more common sense and more beneficial to the students. And that's... Uh, I think parents will go for that, and I definitely support that and will support that as state superintendent. So fewer students are enrolling in our schools of education, and yet we know that a high-quality teacher is critical when it comes to student success. What do you plan to do to make sure we have enough high-quality teachers in our classrooms across the state? Well, you know, Dr. Agassin testified a couple of weeks ago that enrollment, teacher enrollment, teacher education enrollment is down. Uh, at all the state colleges. Um, you know, the Teaching Fellow Scholarship no longer exists. I was a, a finalist for the Teaching Fellow Scholarship. I actually could have got it at Pembroke, but I didn't want to go to Pembroke. I wanted to go to UNC Wilmington, and, and that was for personal reasons. Wilmington felt more like home to me since we vacationed at Topsail Beach growing up, and uh, my dad lived at Carolina Beach uh, after my parents' divorce. So, you know, I went to UNCW for, for those reasons, um, even though I could have gone for free to Pembroke. 
uh, I've got some some coworkers who who were on the teaching fellows, but the teaching fellows only paid for two years of their college. Uh, when I was up for it, it was a full. It was it was a very nice scholarship, four years. Um, then it went to two, and now it's no more. So I'm going to continue to lobby uh, with my friends in the legislature, especially the House, to bring back teaching fellows to actually make it even more prestigious than it was. Uh, you know, our kids, our future depends on high-quality teachers, and we need to make a commitment, a financial and a social commitment to that premise. And we can do that by uh, making scholarships like the teaching fellows just as prestigious as the Moorhead Cane or the parks you know we people say all the time to me uh well maybe not all the time it's a little hyperbole but you know ever ever so often I hear uh you're too smart to teach you could go do something I'm pretty sure my wife has said that once or twice when (laughs) when she looks at our bank statement and uh you know it's not that I'm I'm too smart to teach is that I really enjoy this. I enjoy working with children. I enjoy being a, a force of good um, in the world and, and, and making a difference in the life of a young person. Um, you know, so we need, uh, we need good teachers. Good teachers make good students, and good students make good employees and good citizens, and that's just the bottom line for that. So we need to, uh, again, continue to lobby the, the legislature to bring back those scholarship programs. Uh, we need to raise teacher pay. Um, we need to uh, let teachers teach and enjoy the profession. You know, it is not you're too smart to teach. You can make more money in the private sector. You know, we, we need to have that commitment to public education um, and, and, and get these kids who would make great teachers to be in teaching. And... Uh, you know, but if you go to if you go to Wake Forest, you know that's an expensive school. You're going to take on a lot of debt, more than likely, to go to Wake Forest to make thirty five thousand dollars a year. You would never you would never break even. And then uh, you know the, the the legislature taking away the master's pay. Um, I understand that because our standards sadly don't require you to have a master's knowledge to to teach. You know so. Do we have master's pay for certain classes, certain subjects? Um, do we offer uh, uh, more pay for hard to efficient uh, positions in like uh, science and the STEM stuff, science, technology, engineering, math? Um, I would, you know, obviously on the surface, I say, well, yeah, you know. But on the flip side, well, what about art teachers and what about social studies teachers? I mean, you know, when when dictators come to power. They don't kill off the engineers, you know. They don't kill off the uh, the doctors, the, the medical doctors. They kill off the PhDs. They kill off the journalists. You know, teachers and journalists are always the first two to disappear when a dictator comes to power, and and that is just look at the history of the world for that. So, you know, we um we need to make a commitment to public education and to our future. And yeah, that's going to require some hard choices. And I understand why the legislature you know, does what they do, and, and I know how the process works, but uh, from a public policy percept- per, uh, perspective, we need to continue to meet that need of having good quality teachers in the classroom. And uh, finally, I'd just like to say that I, I believe in merit pay, and uh, I think a lot of my t- uh, co- co-workers believe in merit pay and want merit pay. Uh, and, and I've got that on my website as well, that I support merit pay, and, uh, you know, we can we can 
let local LEAs, uh, the counties, the, the local school districts uh, create their own plans for for that merit pay, and and you know uh, that's one th- one way we can give back more local control, which I also support uh, is let them create their own merit pay system, and um, using the the tools of the free market. You know, you're going to get a, a better teacher in a county that has a better merit pay system, which ultimately benefits the citizens of that county and the state. You know, so that's but that's going to require more people paying attention and voting for local school board members and voting for county commissioners that would allocate the funds for that. So, uh, you know, we need to get more people paying attention back to politics and, and listening to podcasts and reading extremely long uh, websites like mine, which, uh, which I've been told is a very long website. But, you know, I, we need to get away from the three-minute stump speeches and the, and the talking points. You know, the Constitution is, is a beautiful document, and uh, it, is, it is not to be interpreted in a, in a, in a talking point. It is, it is meant to, to, to level the playing field and, and, uh, and be the referee in our, in our system of government. And uh, when you don't understand that, you know, you start to lose some freedoms. And, uh, and our framers and founders would be very upset at all the freedoms we've lost, I think, because we, we have gotten away from that premise of being civic-minded and engaged in the process. So, um, you know, so we can bring that back slowly, uh, but it's going to take some good teachers, and it's going to take some time, and it's going to take a financial commitment. So I support working with the legislature and not just throwing out a figure like 10% like Dr. Atkinson did a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was clearly a political stunt. I mean, I, I would feel bad that I got a 10% raise over, say, highway patrolmen who, and prison guards and others, uh, game wardens, who have, who have really kept the same. And our retirees, our state retirees, you know, they haven't had a COLA adjustment in a long time. Things are only getting more expensive. So... Uh, you know, we need to we need to have some serious conversation on that, and I think several of our elected officials want that conversation. And then, sadly, there's a few that just kind of demagogue the issue. And uh, you know, I feel I can work with all of those groups: um, the right, the left, the far right, and the far left to uh, to do what's best for our students and our teachers. You know, my website at the bottom it says "for the students, for the teachers, for the future," and that's what I truly believe. And uh, and you know, hopefully, my plan. Hopefully, I'll get elected, and uh, my plans can be implemented, and we can you know, see what happens. Well, Wes, thanks so much for talking with me. Good deal. Well, I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Alex. Wes Sills is a Republican candidate for state superintendent of public instruction. He's been working at his old high school in Harnett County, Triton High School, since 2012. This is Alex Granados, reporter for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk.